fun to watch. Honest 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. As the club announced yesterday, we have officially signed Adley Rutschman, uh, and he's ready to start his uh, Orioles career. Um, he's going to be uh, taking batting practice with the team today, um, and uh, you know we're very delighted to add this type of talent, this type of person, to this organization. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access Podcast. Paul mm-hmm. Mancano. And Bobby Blanco here with you. And that which you just heard was the Orioles' future being revealed mm-hmm. to the public. The curtain being pulled Unveiled back, to the world. Unveiled. In the eyes of God. The bright, bright shining star that is Adley Rutschman being introduced by Michael Elias in his press conference on Monday. Was it Monday? Tuesday? No, it was Tuesday. That was Tuesday. Long week already. Long, long was a week. long day. Two, two draft picks, two top draft picks getting signed in a week. Uh, Adley Rutschman, of course, the number one overall pick, introduced uh, as a member of the Baltimore Orioles organization. Big time day. And uh, the the past and present of the Orioles organization crossing paths, Bobby. Yeah, on the same day. Um, a lot of conspiracy theories going out there that, it hap- that Michael Elias did this on purpose. I don't really buy that because that's don't like buy that way too hard to... That's way too much forethought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Adley Rutschman... Being introduced, signing the night before, Manny Machado yeah. returning to Opaki. Um, oh, as conspiracy theories go, that's one of the lamer ones I've heard. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, even if he did, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also Opaki. I always say Opasi. Opasi. Camden. I say it as a soft C. Yeah, it probably is. But that's like Opassi. GIF. It's like GIF. It should be. It should be GIF, but we say GIF. No, but a G makes a. Graf- Isn't it a graphic? Oh, it's graphic. I thought yeah. it was generated. I don't know. Oh, why. I thought it was graphic. Yeah. Anyway, I, I always say GIF is peanut butter. Anyway, um, yeah, Manny Machado <laughs> being introduced. Fans giving him a warm welcome, as they should have. No booze, which is nice. No booze, radio people. Um, and I was uh, subtle. And Ali Rutschman making the rounds. I mean, he did everything Tuesday. Uh, he Obviously, the press conference, he took BP with the team. Uh, he talked to uh, Jim Hunter on Mass, and he, he talked to uh, Steve Molesky on the side. He yeah. joined the Mass and broadcast. I'm sure he did the radio broadcast yeah, they, uh, on they, the field during the game. I mean, he was taught, touted around town. They re- really rolled out the orange carpet for really him, did. which as they should, because yeah. um, we talked about the draft being maybe the most important night of the season. This was, obviously, it was a foregone conclusion that this was going to happen, but in terms of pomp and circumstance, one of the bigger days of the season, it, it, because opening day, obviously, obviously this team's not going to be a playoff team, so you're not going to have that kind of thing happening at the ballpark. So for something like this to go on, um, you know, it, you you got to make the most of it. This is when you invite every member of the media. This is when you you really bring this kid around town. I, I totally agree that they, he he got the attention, and this day got the attention that it deserved. Yeah, I don't think that it, it hurt in terms of people coming out to the ballpark, that it was the day on the calendar that Manny Machado was returning. I think people yeah. had bought tickets well in advance. I know I had friends that did so in order to see Manny come back to Camden Yards. Uh-huh. But that also might have been kind of the point. I mean, you know, it's like, hey, we have a lot of people coming to see Manny. Let's also show them 
our future yeah. in Adley. And, um, and uh, you know, he was every, every bit as great as he was made out to be. Yeah. You know, he was well-composed, very thoughtful, very, um, you know, I, you, you could mature. feel the leadership mature. You could feel the leadership kind of oozing off him. Yeah. Like, he, you know, he, this guy definitely was the captain of his baseball team and his active yeah. in his community and is going to be a great piece for this team's future. And I will say one more note about Machado is that day could have been, if that day, if, if Manny Machado returned to the team in like July or say April or something, that day could have been a whole lot sadder because yeah. he hit a home run against right. them. And it's him. like, it's like, you know, y- you see the past that was, and, uh, you know, that's a little sad, but this was a perfect opportunity to turn the page right, and right. look towards the future. And that's kind of where that conspiracy theory comes. It's yeah. like, oh, well, let's downplay Manny because right. of how that ended, but then let's pump yeah. up Adley. It, uh, I think it was a little bit of Orioles magic. Yes, yeah, uh, being Everyone's going madly for Adley. Madly for Adley. We already have a podcast of that name. Um, yeah, we're going to hear from Adley and Mike Elias uh, during that introductory press conference, a heck of a long press conference uh, on Tuesday. We're also going to talk about Trey Mancini and Hanser Alberto and why they have been stat standouts so far this season for the Orioles. And then to wrap it all up, we've got Kevin Brown of the Orioles Radio Network, not that Kevin Brown. Uh, he's going to be joining us to do a little fun game called In a Pickle. We're going to pepper him with some questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, let's go back to Adley, the man of the hour. Um, he had never really been to Baltimore. He's a West Coast kid. Didn't yep. grow up an Orioles fan. Uh, grew up a fan of the West Coast teams. And didn't know a whole lot about the Orioles in terms of, um, you know, the, the history of the organization. That will soon change. Yep. Um, but uh, he sounded pretty impressed uh, with what he had seen so far of the city uh, and the team and the uh, Oriole Park at Camden Yards in his few hours that he has already been here. You know, I've had the opportunity um, yesterday to walk around the stadium, uh, meet some of the fans, and uh, it's it's a special thing here, and uh, it's a special history. Um, and just to be a part of that and a part of uh, the building process that is going on right now, uh, I'm truly humbled to be a part of that. Once again, saying and doing all the right things. Just always saying the correct things, and that's what you want to see from a number one draft pick. You know, Michael Elias has said, I think it was either post-draft, definitely post-draft, but, like, it was right, right after or even a couple of days afterwards saying, like, you know, the tipping point for us in, in drafting him number one overall was was also the character, yeah. the, the, the person we're getting here because his, his numbers speak for himself. What he can do behind the plate speaks for himself. All his play has is, is lived up to the hype, but the person has also lived up to his head hype, if not surpassed it. So it was impressive to see Adley, you know, in person showing off that character and that personality that he has um, um, and in a big day too with the spotlight on him. You can tell he do- not quite yet is liking the spotlight. You know, he's he's a little shy. He's a little Just shy. A tiny well, I was also going to say like humble. Yeah. But, okay, uh, yeah. but you know, he, he enjoyed himself and uh, he, he was ready to, uh, to meet the masses in terms of both the media and the Oriole faithful here. Well, and you got a good taste, I think, of the contrast between a high school kid and a college kid. That's true. When we saw Gunnar Henderson the right. next day, who Gunnar Henderson did an awesome job considering he's 17 years old. Right. Did a great job answering questions and, and being you know forthcoming and, and answering questions the right way. But you can just tell that Adley has done this more than a few times. Right, right. You know, he's been on the national spotlight in terms of the College World Series. Steve Molesky asked, like, you know, because Adley has gotten these exact questions, a, a lot of them, um, over the past 
month, several months, pretty much because he was on the radar as the number one overall pick. If not pick. the past year. Yeah. yeah, so stuff like, you know, the, the basic stuff like, you know, what, how does it feel? What was your, were your emotions like? How much did you contact? Were you expecting it? Yeah, stuff like that. And uh, Steve asked like a more intricate question about catching and, and you could tell Adley was kind of like, yeah, yeah. He said, it's uh, a good question. So he, he's, yeah, yeah. It's, he's already in the mode that like professional athletes are where they're like, they already have a few canned responses um, they at least know they have practice in answering certain types of questions, right. but when they get a question that actually makes them really think about what they're saying, yeah. then they appreciate it. Kind of like the Bull Durham thing, just give him the paper answer. Yes. Uh, but also, like, you can tell he's he's kind of sick about talking about himself. He wants to talk about <laughs> yeah. baseball. He yeah. wants to get going. He wants to start playing and talking about what he can do on the field. Yeah. And, ba- like, he, he even said, like, when – well, I thought was interesting was a lot of the questions. I think this was a Steve question as well was – you know, how do you feel comfortable? How comfortable do you feel calling pitches? Right. Because a lot of colleges, the pitching coach calls the pitches, it relates yeah. it to the catcher to relate to the pitcher. But at Oregon State, the more familiar they got with Adley and the, the more experience Adley got behind the plate and with his staff, the more freedom he had to call his own pitches. Yeah. And he thought that was super interesting. And, and like he liked that freedom. And, and going back and watching the tape, and be like, all right, why did we pitch this guy this way? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's cool that he's ready to be all in on baseball, not just, oh, yeah, I'm the number one overall draft pick. Let's talk about – that's over now. Let's talk about on yeah. the field. Yeah, it's a guy who – Moving forward. I, I, It's such a cliche to be like, ah, oh, he loves the game, you know. Yeah. But yeah. he does. You can tell, like, this is his priority. Like, yeah. this is, you know, he is not – he does – he, I'm sure – he, he said something about uh, – you know, what he's going to do with his first paycheck because he got, you know, a quite a, a big bonus in right. terms of signing that Record first contract. Yeah. Reportedly. Reportedly, in terms of signing that first contract. And he said, I'm pretty happy with my Honda Civic. Yeah. Which, is, I mean, that says so much about, yeah. um, you know, where his priorities lie. Yeah. Um, it's almost like he doesn't want to, like, oh, I have the money now, I'm going to spend it. He's like, no, I'm going to go make sure I earn this. Yeah. I'm going to earn this money because yeah. I want to get to Gulf Coast, start working out immediately, and then maybe play some minor league baseball later yeah. this summer. So in terms of where he's starting, he is going to start with the Gulf, Gulf Coast Orioles, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, some people, I mean, if you look at uh, even, like, the previous regime, a guy like Caden Grenier went immediately to Aberdeen. Right. Uh, you know, automatically skip past Gulf Coast, skip past um, – uh, or he went to Delmarva, rather, yeah, uh, past so, Aberdeen. Yep. So, um, you know, that's skipping two levels at that point and going directly. And uh, you might look at a guy who is 21 years old, um, has already played in the, the highest level of college baseball in the College World Series, right. and say, this guy is ready for the next level. But Michael Elias wants to start at the very bottom. Um, and he gave his reasoning for that during the press conference on Tuesday. I think we'll let his uh, his play uh, determine how fast he moves. You know, um, every every player is different. Every first round pick's different. Um, you know, and certainly, you know, we we don't need to to start him there um, if if we don't want to. But um, I always believe in um, you know starting players when in doubt, starting them at the the lower level because it's very easy to um, transfer them if they're performing well. Starting. From the bottom, now we hear. Yeah, that's what Adley hopes to be saying in uh, a couple of years. This was a, he's starting from the very bottom. This was like the first question as soon as he was drafted. Because remember, Paul, we talked about some of the reports being like, as soon as Adley Rushman is drafted, he's immediately in the top ten to fifteen <laughs> range in terms of all of baseball prospects, and then he's immediately the top prospects in within the Orioles and could be an average, above average 
minor league, maybe even major league catcher at this point right now. He's still a raw 21-year-old straight out of college. Um, so everyone's wondering where the Orioles are going to start him. I think it's smart. I think it's a little, little surprising, but I also think it's smart. I get the reasoning that Michael Elias gave of starting him at Gulf Coast down in Sarasota, get him familiar with the facilities, the training staff, get back into game shape. You know, Oregon State had an early exit, so he hasn't been in a game situation in well over a month now. So get his feet back, you know, and his strength and his body ready. And then game situations, move up to Aberdeen and then move up to dump wherever he may be. You know, if his play dictates that he deserves to be higher, he'll get there. But it's easier to work your way up this system than start too high and then have to go back down and then go back up. That's just too much on a young person. And I'm glad you mentioned the hype around this kid and, you know, him being the idea of him being pro-ready. Yeah. I mean, that's a term that I think we can throw around. It gets thrown around a ton in terms of basketball and some in terms of football of, like, you can plug and play this guy day one. Right. That is never the case in baseball. It's so hard to do. And, you know, maybe the fans who were watching him take BP with the Orioles and seeing him launch balls over the fence and launch a ball onto Utah Street, that can conjure up visions of him being on the Orioles in a short amount of time or, you know, getting a an early high call up to uh, the higher levels of the uh, minor league system. But it's just so hard. I mean, right. it is ju- every single prospect has to work his way up through the big leagues. He has to spend, in this day and age, it's at least a year in the minor league system. No matter where, what age of his development you get him. Bryce Harper's had to spend months down in the in the minor leagues. Steven Strasburg, another number one overall pick, had to spend months down in the minor leagues before he was uh, brought up to the team. So it, right. it doesn't matter where this these kids are in their development. If you plug him into the... <laughs> obviously, no one's calling for this, but if you plug him into the Orioles lineup day one, he's going to s- s- strike out four times. Like, right, that's right. just... It just takes development for these kids. Well, it also... And I think Brandon Hyde referenced this on his Tuesday pregame press conference after Adley's introduction, being like, you know, we kind of went through this with Chris Bryant and the Cubs where he was drafted and he was quote-unquote, you know, game ready. He, they could have right. plugged and played him right away. But And there, obviously there's some contract things going along in terms of service time, stuff like that. But they were like, hey, let's just let him, let his play dictate. We, You know, yeah. we, we can't just go off of scouts reports and, and what, you know, the media is saying about this guy. Let's get our own evaluation of him. Let's let him dictate where he plays and when he's ready he's ready he'll play yeah. when he's ready and um, there's no need to rush him right now you know the you know it's, it's easy to say the Orioles aren't going anywhere this season there's there's literally no reason to play him in Baltimore yeah and in 2019 maybe even 2020 yeah and obviously Adley Rutschman is a confident guy and I think everybody got that um, view of him when they saw him at the press conference but what better way to build up a guy's confidence than to have him succeed immediately the second he starts right. as a professional right right um, so and, and, and I, I have no I think you and I both kind of agree no doubt that he's gonna fly through the system yeah. like he will show that he he could make it to Frederick this I mean and he could help Delmarva and their playoff run this season. And I think he will. He can make it as high as Frederick if he wanted to this season, if the Orioles wanted to push him that far. Whether or not they will remains to be seen, but I think he's definitely has the ability to make it that high that quickly. But again, no need to rush him. Let's just start him low. There's no need to get him talk about buoy nor none, none yep. of that. That's that's so unnecessary at this point. Exactly. Uh what was kind of fueling the t- the discussion about him being a major league ready prospect was mostly about his catching because mm-hmm. his catching abilities are already some have said on a almost major league level which is ridiculous to say at this point uh, but that's the kind of hype that is built around him defensively and the one of the questions coming into the press conference was 
you know, obviously, you know, he was drafted as a catcher, but how much of his future do the Orioles have planned out for him behind the plate? And how much is he going to play behind the plate throughout the minor league system? So here's what uh, Adley had to say about how catching and being behind the plate, that defensive position is important to him. It started with my dad. Uh, he was a catcher back in the day, uh, believe it or not. But, uh, you know, it's, I, I think it's a big part of me just from the standpoint of uh, the control you have behind the plate, the ability to affect so many individuals around you, uh, handle a pitching staff, um, being able to command the field. And uh, for me, that's a position I enjoy because um, I'm able to have that influence on others and, um, you know, be a hopeful uh, leader on the team. So uh, for me, it's a great position to be in, and uh, I really enjoy it. The kid is a leader. Anytime you hear somebody talk about them wanting to influence their teammates around them and have an impact on, on their teammates at an early level on the field, that shows a lot of Again, it's, it's the maturity that we talked about. He's... You know, he wants to play. He just has he likes the that leadership. He gravitated toward that leadership position. He you know he likes the ability to you know affect the pitching staff, affect the defensive alignments, obviously the offense with his bat. Um, but he, he is, I thought it was impressive that he's the one that brought it up. Kind of like no, I like being yeah. the leader. I want to assume that role and, and take in charge of a clubhouse and and have teammates and be the guy. They even brought up you know his his routine at, at Oregon State of going up to the pitcher after every inning and talking about what, you know, not a lot of pitchers like that, but in, and we talked about Dan Conley's great piece in The Athletic when he went to go visit Adley, but pitchers are like, hey, if there's ever a guy you want talking to you while you're walking off the mound, it's Adley Rutschman because he's just so smart and, and, and such a great leader that you want to hear his opinions and his thoughts, and he's so encouraging as a catcher that it shows a lot to have that confidence from, you know, a guy like Adley. And um, I think that's some great maturity from him that he was the one, again, that he was the one to bring that up on his own in his press conference on his big day. I think it's safe to say Adley aced his first Orioles test. Easily. Easily aced it. Uh, With flying colors. And now he will kind of uh, disappear into the Orioles organization for a while. <laughs> nah. Yeah. We'll, uh, you know, we, we will uh, obviously hear from him periodically, but let's turn our attention now to the team on the field. All right. Uh, let's talk about Trey Mancini. Obviously, the guy is still crushing it. Um, for all the haters and doubters that thought that uh, his early season, uh, you know, uh, explosion, offensive explosion was a little bit of a fluke, you have been proved wrong. Yeah. Uh, and Trey Mancini has been ridiculously good in first innings particularly. Uh, some of his stats, this was dug up by intern Brendan. Um, in the first inning uh, of games, Trey Mancini is batting 429. With mm -hmm. eight homers, 1.382 OPS, and a slugging of 889. Yeah. That's absurd. That's crazy. Uh, and obviously, this is due to him playing or batting, I should say, more higher in the, in the batting order. I mean, he, uh, he hasn't batted lower than third, I said, I think since like April. Um, he's hitting two, second a lot, which is helpful yeah. because, and, and you, you know, I think even the past week or so and probably further back but i i just remember the past couple the at least the past week because i've been on uh, social shifts for mass and covering the Orioles games early rallies starting by started yeah. by trey Mancini. it's starting by whoever's on the leadoff getting on base and then trey driving him in i mean I, the eight homers in the first inning is impressive like that's a great way to start especially when you're on the road you know you get to that pitcher early shake him when he's in his home ballpark yeah 
That's a great way to start the game. Now, whether these turns on to wins or losses, yada, 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 whatever. Trayman, the fact of the matter is, Trey Mancini is a lethal bat to have at the top of your lineup. Yeah. And, and early on in games. And this next stat kind of shows how important he is to Orioles wins, but also that it's not a situation of a good stats, bad team kind of thing where he's just getting, you know, he's in He's the, just racking up the numbers because the rest of the team is bad. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah. Uh, and because... You know, a lot, if, if games are blowouts, then, you know, they throw their scrap pitcher right, in right, and he right. just rakes off them in the seventh and eighth inning. In wins, in Orioles wins, Trey Mancini is batting 337 with a 935 OPS. And that also speaks to the fact that when he goes, the whole team goes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as far to say he's carrying the team. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think we're seeing productivity from other places, especially in on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, too much to say that, all right, yeah, Trey Mancini is carrying this team, but it is kind of like he's definitely the leader. He's yeah. definitely the guy, the catalyst. He's, you know, like we just talked about in the first inning, he's a jump start. If he is getting on base or driving in runs early, the rest of the offense will follow and team, and then the Orioles can put away a team or at least score higher. I, I think what we know now for this Orioles team, the offense hasn't really been that much of an issue. I mean, they are able to score in bunches and in a different way. We talked yeah. about not just long ball in a different way, which is a great sign. It's it's kind of the pitching that's holding them down, giving up so many home runs, giving up big leads or or giving up, you know, early big leads. So that's uh, insurmountable. But the way Trey Mancini is able to perform, I think oft, often correlates like the, these numbers just show. Yeah correlates to wins for the O's. And he's doing it in a clutch spot. He's batting 324 with two outs in the innings. And another another impressive stat from him. Hanser Alberto, another yeah. guy who has been... Uh, the, those two have been fighting for the Orioles' batting title of the season. Yeah. Um, we're going to ask Kevin Brown about that in a little bit in uh, in a pickle. But Hanser Alberto, never a guy known <laughs> in, in his limited big league uh, career before he came to the Orioles. Never had a high batting average of any kind. All of a sudden, <laughs> this season, he is figuring out how to get on base. And he doesn't walk a whole lot, so he's getting a ton of singles. He is batting against lefties. He is uh, it's 41 games, so it's a pretty large sample size. He's batting 411 with a 946 OPS, six doubles, and 44 hits in those 41 games. Yeah. Um, he's getting on base. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, we just keep waiting for his batting average to dip. Like, we saw certain guys at the beginning of the season – like, unfortunately, Dwight Smith's batting average is starting to, to drip down towards the mean. Um, Hanser Alberto t- continues to hit. Yeah, and we've discussed his how he's found his like little niche and placement at the top of the lineup. Batting first, when he's batting first, which he has more than any other position by far, 21 games, yeah. he's got a 387 on-base percentage, which is by far the best versus any other position that he's batted more than once. Yeah. Uh, he's batted second uh once and had a good game, had a two-hit game. <laughs> but anyways, the point of the matter, he, he has found his spot at the top of the order. And so, you know, you talk about your two guys batting, battling for the team's batting average mm-hmm. title, one-two. There yeah. you go. That's how you start rallies. That's how you score early in games. And, and Brandon Hyde knows this. And this yeah. is why we're seeing Hans Arbroth in the one spot, Trey Mancini so often in the two, maybe three spot. Um, and, and everyone else follows with these guys getting on base and driving in runs. Hopefully the Orioles are able to because, like I just said, the Orioles are probably going to have to outscore opponents more often than not. Yeah. They can't really rely on this pitching staff at the moment. Um, and, and Michael Elias has mentioned, "Hey, we we, we need to go find pitching because we, you know, they want to win now. I mean, they're not yeah. going to chase a title, but they still want to win ball games." Right. Um, 
And it's just a hard market to find pitching right now because we're getting that time of year where everyone's looking for pitching. Yeah. Um, so this offense starting is, pitching is the hardest thing. Right, to find right, at the and um, you know injury to Josh Rogers, that's that doesn't look great. A lot of other guys John means suffering. Means of the DL, IL. Hopefully, hopefully coming back tomorrow. Yep. Um, to start the series against Cleveland. DFAing Dan Straley. Yeah, but regardless of the fact, offense is going to need to carry this team from now on, and it's good to see that your one-two guys are carrying the offense to start. Couple other splits to throw at you about Hanser Alberto. He's batting 356 in the month of June. He's batting 353 on the road. His 315 average is sixth in all of baseball. He's batting 615 in 26 counts that are 1 0. Uh, he's batting 462 in tie games. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. The, it's kind of crazy. The, it's a very bizarre, and kudos to intern Brendan for finding this. He was like, I'm just going to find the weirdest stats we can on yeah. Hanzo Alberto and Trey Mancini. Um, Baseball 615 record. in 1 0 counts. And, the, and, <laughs> and, and not a small sample size, yeah. 26, 26 counts. So th- he's taking his pitches too. He's not just going up there hacking and hopefully. To find you know a hole in the, in the right. defense. No, he's smart, pensive at bats coming from both of these guys at yeah. top of the order. I mean, if you're going to wear down a pitcher, you got to take pitches. You can't just go up there and expect to yeah. hit a home run every single time. You got to wear these guys down, draw your walks, get on base, yeah. and hopefully the guys behind you can draw you in. Well, I think that's something Trey Mancini has learned a little bit too this year because his right. walk rate is a little bit higher this year. And early, he's still an aggressive hitter, but earlier in his career, he was even more aggressive and he would chase some pitches. But the idea behind it also is, you know, not every, you don't have to swing at every strike. Get your pitch. Yeah. If you know, if you see a, a a good pitch that's going to be a strike, you don't have to swing at it. Right. Just because it's, you know, it, it, if it's not in your wheelhouse, if it's not in an area where you can crush it, then, you know, just don't swing at it. So yeah. you have to see pitches um, to be able to determine, one, what a guy has, and two, to get your best pitch. It's, like, kind of funny. Like, it's always, like, people joke, oh, every time I look up, he's on base. But almost literally, every time you look up, yeah. You feel like Hanzo Alberto or Trey Mancini is on base or, or recording an RBI, and that's a great sign for the top of his lineup that's going to need to score runs. Definitely. Uh, and uh, as the Orioles uh, uh, were home this weekend, are going to be home this weekend mm-hmm. as well, um, Kevin Brown has been in town, the yep. Orioles radio broadcaster. He's calling these games this week, and uh, we had a chance to sit down with Kevin Brown in his radio broadcast booth to play a little game of In a Pickle, Put him right in the middle. We ask questions on either side. Take a look. We are in a pickle right now. Kevin Brown, you are actually in the pickle. Always a radio uh, broadcaster. Are you prepared to be peppered I feel, with questions? I feel cramped. going to get peppered. <laughs> this is a kind of a small isn't, isn't Isn't Pepper banned now from baseball fields? Oh, many Nicole definitely bans it here. She, yeah. hates, oh. she hates Pepper. Really? So, but, uh, uh, many baseball fields. No, we're not playing Pepper. We're going to get peppered. We're pickle pick Pepper. And, Pickled pepper. Peter is Piper. Peter Piper available? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we. You were the backup for Peter. You'll Piper. be. Uh, you'll be reported <laughs> to the appropriate <laughs> authorities for yeah. this mess. Fair. Uh-huh. All right. First question. Uh, first question. You. You have to use phones. You get to memorize these. Do your work. Are you kidding me? I mean, come on. Just do down the list. <laughs> down the we list. Have, we have the technology. Let's use the technology. All right. Uh, who will have the higher batting average at season's end? Trey Mancini or Hanser Alberto? Trey Mancini. Okay. Do I have to explain why? Yes. Sure. This seems like a long pickle. <laughs> um, Trey Mancini, because uh, I, I just think he's a better overall player. Uh, yep. There's always no disrespect to Hanser Alberto. We think we have a little bit of a longer track record with Trey. We do. So I have more confidence with him. All right. Do you think Ryan Mancouse will make his MLB debut this year? Yes, I do. When is that going to be? Uh, September, I'll okay. say. I don't think they're going to rush him. 
But I think if he continues to have a solid enough season, there's really not much to lose by adding him to the roster at the end of the year and giving him a shot. Good call. Uh, how many Orioles players will be dealt before the trade deadline? It's a toughie. It's a tough one. Kind of throw a dart at the board. Yeah. Three. Three. Okay. My lucky number. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, what's the weirdest sport you've called in your illustrious career as a broadcaster? The or weirdest maybe, or sport maybe the weirdest game I've called. I don't want to insult certain sports. Right. There are sports I don't understand. I have called Japanese League Baseball off of a monitor at 5 in the morning from a studio in Stamford, Connecticut. Okay. Which is not an insult to the Japanese style of play, simply to say that that was a weird situation. Yeah. In a tiny booth at 5 a.m. watching... On TV. Players hit home runs in the Tokyo Dome and then be handed stuffed teddy bears and stuffed cheeseburgers after they hit a home run. Is that how it works? Yes. Wow. You hit a home run, and then there are, I assume it's just cheerleaders or ball girls. They were young women. They would hand the player a giant plush animal or a plush cheeseburger in certain circumstances. Uh, I thought it was like a real cheeseburger. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> not a real, slow you not a real <laughs> cheeseburger. No, that's what they do with the opposing teams. Okay. <laughs> Good down. swing. Yeah. Yeah. Here you Here. go, Jose. Um, that was weird. Interesting. Yeah. Rare follow-up question. This is not typical of Caught in a Pickle. Oh, no. Yeah. We're breaking the pickle rules. We're breaking the pickle. Out of the base paths. Oh, Let's God. Let's call it that. Interference. Um, are there any aspects of Japanese baseball that you would add to American baseball? Yes, the plush cheeseburgers. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great yeah, if Chris fair. Davis at a home run came back <laughs> and got a giant teddy bear? That'd be amazing. The that size would be of awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm all for it. That'd be yeah. awesome. Um, right, Go ahead, Bob. Right, well, uh, I broke the rule, so we're off the rails now. At this rail. point, yep. we've, re- we've really pickled. The hosts have been pickled. <laughs> we've pickled. Your favorite baseball team growing up, since you've called many baseball teams. Uh, growing up, Yankees. Yankees. New York. Don't guy. kill me. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fair. If you're from New York, that's fine. Um, obviously, fairly new to the uh, the entire Orioles organization, but if you had to do an Orioles Mount Rushmore, who would be the four guys? Uh, me, you, <laughs> the three of us, yeah. and uh, I don't know, Brooks? Boy, oh boy, that's a really good question. Brooks has to be there, Cal has to be there, Palmer has to be there, and I will say with no disrespect to, to, uh, to Eddie, mm-hmm. It's got to be either Frank or Earl, and yep. I'm just going to go with players. That's so I'm going to go Frank uh, because of the impact that he had bringing the world championship here. Yeah, that's right. a good call. Uh, we just saw Adley Rushman introduced for the first time. Yes. Uh, will Adley make it? And uh, Mike, Mike Elias said that he's going to start at Gulf Coast League and then probably head up to Aberdeen. Will Adley Rushman make it to Delmarva to help with their playoff run? Yeah, I think so. I'm bullish on Adley because of the way Mike Elias speaks about his defensive play and his advanced mm-hmm. handling of a pitching staff, his advanced work as a catcher. Um, I don't think he'll have to stay very long in some of those lower levels because mm-hmm. of the way he catches. I think it's just a matter of, will the bat play? Right. I think the bat plays well enough as a three-year college player. So I'm saying yes, he'll be in Delmarva. I agree. This is probably the hardest question of all. Who is going to be the Orioles' opening day starter in 2020? I don't even know where to begin on this one. The Orioles opening day starter in 2020. Yeah. That also sounds so far away, but yeah. just next year. Uh, why not John Means? The season he's had. Good call. Uh, why not John Means? He's going to be here next year. I think yeah. he's on his way to deserving that. Uh, we don't know if some of the veteran players are going to be here next year. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on John Means. If Same all goes answer. well. Yeah. All right. Um, you're or it could be an opener. 
or could be an upper. Jimmy Acabonis in front of John Means. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, this is your first year covering the Orioles, first year in Baltimore. Yes. When you first got here on Twitter, at Kevin N. Brown, you were looking for food recommendations, restaurants along around the area. What was your favorite so far? My favorite restaurant uh, that I've been to so far in the city, boy, I don't want to just single out one, but I will since you asked the question. Um, there's a place called Spoons Cafe oh, in Fed Hill. Great place. That has outrageous <laughs> uh, maple, I think there's like cinnamon roll pancakes with a maple glaze, you know what I'm talking about? I wow. know exactly Incredible. what you're talking about. I love breakfast food, and I'm usually here for dinner time, right? So I don't get to eat dinner out often. So I, I kind of gravitate toward breakfast places. Are you Spoons both sweet incredible. tooth? I'm a sweet Paul tooth. Has a huge sweet tooth. I'm a sweet tooth breakfast guy. Yeah. I also went today to a place called uh, either Jack and Zach Food or Zach and Jack Food. It's have not heard downtown, of that and it's a place with twelve diner style seats, Ooh. and they make everything in house, or they get it from uh, a locally sourced farm. And I had an outrageous sausage, egg, and cheese sandwich. Wow. Dang. Locally made, or I think in-house made sausage patty with like some sweetness and some spice, and that was incredible. That have you ever been to Miss Shirley's? I have been to Miss Shirley's. Love Miss Shirley's. Have Great a chicken place. sandwich. Big fan of that. Yep. Have a group coming down this uh, weekend for brunch. We'll be going to Miss Shirley's. Good nice. call. Saturday Always a great morning. place to take f- friends, relatives. Yes. That was good, good idea. So, Visitors. yeah, breakfast spots. We're sponsored by it. No, we're not. Um, <laughs> final question here. And Sobo <laughs> Cafe in Fed Hell. Oh, has yes. Been yeah. Amazing yeah. for lunch. Yeah. Yes. Um, final question here. Also, and I will related. take the free meal. Thank you. Crab pretzel or crab fries when you're going around getting food at Opacity? I, I have to admit, I've not had a crab pretzel. Before. Really? Yeah. It's oh, almost so end of June, good. Kevin. So good. Got to get out there. I didn't, and why didn't anybody tell me about this? Crab pretzel, crab fries? I'm why surprised you, you haven't, I'm surprised crab you haven't gotten it on hot dog? I mean, crab fries, great. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. crab pretzel is excellent, too. I just haven't had it. Have you had actual crabs? Like, picked a crab? Hot, steamed, steamed I've had crab cakes, but I've not had actual crabs. Oh, you got to go for that. Got to yeah. go pick a crab. Yeah. It's a fun experience. It's a it social is. experience. Where are we going? Are we picking it out of the bay? We can go to Nick's. Nick's Fish House. We just yeah, go into the water and just <laughs> yeah. old yep, exactly. Got to kill it. it yourself. That's yep. the fun part. Steam yes. it in the pot. Yeah. That's the only way food tastes good. Exactly. Yeah. Kevin Brown. Very Ron Swanson thing to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Kill the meat yourself. Exactly. Uh, you have been tagged out, called safe. However, we want to end this. Those segment. are completely different things. They are very different. So, so, so you're done, both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am in a pickle myself in yeah. terms of picking these. So thank you for being in a pickle with thank us you. on the Mass and All Access podcast.